Hey, this is Louisiana Sister Squad podcast, where we bring you real information to enhance your truther lifestyle. I'm Katie. And I'm Tammy. Welcome Welcome to to the the show. show. Hi, Dr. Judy Morgan. Welcome to the show. Thanks for inviting me. I'm happy to be here. I am an integrated veterinarian, and an integrated veterinarian means that I practice both traditional medicine as well as, I like to call it complementary rather than alternative, uh, because the two can actually play really well together. Uh, But if I'm given my choice, I will lean toward using natural therapies over traditional Western therapies any day of the week. So I practiced in New Jersey. I owned two small animal veterinary clinics in New Jersey, as well as had an equine uh, farm call practice for chiropractic and acupuncture work on horses. And I owned my practices and worked in small animal medicine and including emergency medicine for 36 years. In 2020, I sold both of my clinics and moved to North Carolina because my daughter was pregnant with my first grandchild. And uh, anyone who's in my age group and is having their first grandchild knows that you pretty much drop everything and run. Uh, So that's what I did. I sold my practices. But I also had a second business in addition to my veterinary practices. And that is Dr. Judy Morgan's Naturally Healthy Pets. And Naturally Healthy Pets uh, really began with people on social media asking me what products I used, what products I recommended, how I would treat things differently in my practice versus traditional medicine. And so I wrote my first book that came out in 2014. It's called From Needles to Natural Learning Holistic Pet Healing. And um, when I launched the book, uh, I was one of those naive authors who first time author who thought well you write it and everybody will just automatically buy it everybody just knows about it right yeah well not um so i realized that i actually was going to have to promote that book so i started social media sites and then uh because people were asking me about products that i used we started shipping products from my veterinary clinic to people who were not local to us And that grew into what is now Naturally Healthy Pets, which I've now um, written five best-selling books. The latest one that just came out is Raising Naturally Healthy Pets, How to Help Your Pets Live Longer, Healthier Lives. Uh, It just came out in March. And uh, we have over 500 different products in our online store. Our warehouse is now located in Zebulon, North Carolina. My daughter is the COO of the company. Um, So that has really taken over as a full-time job. I'm not really sure how I ever had time to do anything else because I spend all of my time teaching, traveling to give seminars. We just got back from Europe where I was invited to speak in England. And uh, so we are going all over the place. My husband travels with me all the time. My mother goes sometimes. She lives with us. She's 86. And uh, we're just, we're loving what we're doing. And our our goal right now is to empower pet, pet, pet parents through education. Wow. You're awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Looks like Tammy has a question right off the bat. Go ahead, Tammy. That's really amazing um, that you're doing that. And us with Louisiana Sister Squad, uh, we tried to host our podcast to do the same exact thing, to bring truth to everyone, but on a lot of different topics. Um, I'm really excited about, um, you know, bringing a different angle of truth to our podcast with pets. So a question that I have for you that I see you get asked a lot on social media is your top recommendations for flea and tick, especially now that it's summer. Absolutely uh, a huge topic. And we actually spent 
an entire week focusing on this on our social media, and I think it was in April, um, talking about parasite prevention, whether that's external parasites, internal parasites, so heartworm, flea, tick, intestinal parasites, uh, because it's a huge problem. And particularly you're in Louisiana, so that is really a hotbed, <laughs> no pun intended, um, of parasite infestation because it's hot, it's humid, it never really gets those freezing temperatures that help the die off of um, the parasites themselves and also the things that spread those parasites. So for instance, mosquitoes spread heartworms. So it's a, it's a much bigger issue in the South and the um, South Central area of the US, but we work with people all over the world. So it's a kind of a problem everywhere. Um, the biggest problem that I see in traditional veterinary medicine surrounding this topic is that they really want to treat every pet exactly the same, no matter what their living circumstances are. So uh, the mantra from the um, Parasite Council, uh, the Veterinary Parasite Council, is that every dog, every cat, every month, all year round, no matter where they live, should be on um, an oral or topical flea and tick preventative and heartworm preventative. Well, what you have in Louisiana is very different from what people are going to have in New York City or Washington State or Minnesota, um, where we have very, very different climates. For instance, in uh, Colorado, in the mountains, it is so dry that they don't have fleas and they don't have tick problems. And it's a totally different scenario than what you would have. So the first thing I say to people is like, you have to look at where do I live? What is my pet's exposure? Do we have a lot of mosquitoes? I lived in New Jersey my entire life and I didn't use any chemical, once I knew better, um, so for the past 20 years, no chemical flea, tick, or heartworm prevention for my animals, dogs, or cats. And that also includes my horses. Um, we don't use chemical dewormers on them, um, and we don't use chemical fly sprays for them. Everything that we do is done with natural products. So we use um, a parasite dust that is made with neem uh, and yarrow and diatomaceous earth. We use, and we can use that on all the different animals, dogs, cats, horses. We use essential oil sprays, essential oil shampoos. And really part of the problem um, with the traditional medications. First of all, they're pesticides and they're neurotoxins. And why the veterinary field feels that we should feed a neurotoxin to our animals just sort of blows my mind, particularly since we have had hundreds of thousands of adverse event reports for those products with seizures, coma, tremors, nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, uh, internal hemorrhage and oh by the way tons of deaths and uh, we actually had a conversation myself and a couple of other veterinarians and uh, we have a, a committee that's been working on this we had a conversation with fda and we said to them look there's hundreds of thousands of adverse events with these particular subsets of chemicals that you have approved for use in our dogs and cats why are they on the market and why have you not pulled them off if we have hundreds of thousands of reactions? And we know that FDA only receives about 1% of the actual adverse events are reported. So if there's 100,000 and only 1% are reported, let's multiply that by 100. We get a really, really, really big number with a lot of zeros. Um, and their answer to us was, it's not enough. We haven't had enough deaths. We haven't had enough adverse reactions. And I, frankly, I think you just have to follow the money trail. Big Pharma is very influential. Um, I actually, uh, Big Pharma, Big Pet Food, we can talk about that later too. Um, I pretty much get banned from being on mainstream media because they know how I feel about those companies and the money trail. And that is their biggest advertisers. That is where most of their ad money comes from. So they don't want someone like me coming on and going, hey, you really should avoid this stuff. Um, so it because we, 
as holistic veterinarians, um, we want our animals to live longer. We don't want our animals poisoned every month. And we want to speak out. And this is why I do a lot of podcasts and I do a lot of writing and I do a lot of articles in magazines and, and online platforms because we have to have our voice heard. And sometimes we have to do that through a lot of back doors. Um, we are getting a much bigger foothold, which is amazing, awesome, but I've been working at this for a lot of years. And there's a lot of other holistic veterinarians who are also working toward this. Um, we are we are definitely making headway. It's, it's uh, so for people who, you know, in Louisiana would, so I even, when I moved to North Carolina, I still don't use any chemicals for my animals. I don't use heart, monthly heartworm preventative. I don't use monthly flea and tick chemicals. And frankly, I, I don't have problems. My animals are very healthy. A healthy immune system is not going to allow parasites to take hold. Um, we have 23 acres. We have a farm. It's fields with animal, you know, large animals um, surrounded by woods. And we have a clouder of outdoor kitties who, because we had two pregnant mamas show up and we really stink at giving away kittens. So we kept everybody. So we have this large clouder of cats. And for those who don't know what a clouder is, that's a flock or herd of cats. Um, so uh, we have a bunch. And even though they live outside 90% of the time, they're in the barn, they're in the fields, they're back and forth to the house. Uh, they don't have tick problems. They don't have flea problems. They have a very healthy diet. They're not over vaccinated. Uh, they're the healthiest, probably the healthiest cats I've ever had. And so we don't have a problem. We don't use chemicals. Now with heartworms in particular in Louisiana, I don't know if I'd be so brave not to use anything. Uh, the big thing is repelling fleas, ticks, and mosquitoes. Um, but you definitely have a much bigger problem there than we do even here in North Carolina. I definitely agree. I have two cats myself, but they're indoor cats. But I can attest to the super bugs because I also have a garden. <laughs> and let me tell you something. I'm trying to organic garden. I gave up. And these, yeah, these super <laughs> bugs are trying to just tell me that they need the food more than I do. I'm so sick yeah. of them. <laughs> I thought that I was going to, we bought this 23 acres and I was like, all right, go. you know, it was right after COVID. So I was like, this is great. We're going to raise our own food. This is, we have a huge flock of chickens. So like get our own eggs. I get, nobody here can kill an animal. So we can't raise our own beef. We can't raise meat chickens. Like we, that's just not going to happen. But we raise a lot of eggs and we put in this huge garden and all organic. I was going to do everything just right. Oh my gosh. The bugs had just a great summer and something got in the garden and was eating all the melons. So we'd get just these perfect melons and cantaloupe that were just about ready to pick. And then something would come in overnight and like, nye, nye, nye. so I mean, the chickens loved it because we fed it all to the chickens. I'm like, well, you can have something that some raccoon or something gnawed on, but I'm not eating it. So <laughs> well, yeah, I gave I up. Wanna, I, I will say this, and I see Tammy has a question. I will say this is I've been told by other organic gardeners slash farmers that it does it's just like your immune system for yourself or for your animals it has to be built up and so yes. organic gardening is supposed to get easier over time once <laughs> you balance the soil out i am one step away from being like you the only thing that's keeping me holding on is my tomatoes are making it everything else <laughs> has been a complete and total nightmare but we do really well with herbs so i have a raised bed herb garden Garden that is just amazing. Uh, but we even brought in um, this supposed to be perfectly composted soil. I mean, we spent a ton of money, had people bring in loads and loads of this stuff, put it in the new garden, and then we put down the weed barrier in strips and rows so that we wouldn't have to weed as much. The garden was worse the second year. I was like, I don't know what was in that soil that we brought in, but I'm wondering if it had chemicals in it because it literally, like we bought all these beautiful, I didn't even start from seeds. I'm like, I'm going to go get plants that are already started, make my life easier because the year before I started 700 plants in our greenhouse. So I was like, I'm just going to do this the easy way this year. I planted them and they all died. Like within a week, I'm like, I don't know what is in this soil, but apparently it's really bad. So the, the garden literally just got plowed under and our donkeys are loving it. <laughs> 
Okay, I just wanted to bring it back to the flea and tick and heartworm, especially the heartworm. So for people in our region, like the, or a hot, humid region, um, I've been struggling with this myself since I watched your whole Parasite Week on Instagram (laughs) because I I have a young dog and he is more an inside dog, but he does love to play outside because he's young. And I'm like, I know I need to go get him on heartworm prevention because the mosquitoes are ungodly here. Um, But is there one in particular that you would recommend over the other like what what's the best poison here absolutely absolutely there are poisons and there are like you're gonna kill your dog poisons um so the thing that you absolutely want to avoid and anybody listening i really hope that this if you remember nothing else do not ever allow your pet to be given a pro heart injection there's a pro heart six heartworm preventative it contains moxidectin it lasts for six months. So you go twice a year, get your dog this injection, and then you don't ever have to worry about heartworms. Uh, it was, when it first came out a dozen years ago, uh, it killed so many dogs that they, they, they FDA actually recalled it. Rarely happens, but it was so bad they actually did recall it. Um, and then a few years later, it came back on the market. And we we're like, how did that happen? Uh, they didn't change it. They change. They didn't change the active chemical. They changed the carrier of the chemical because they were like, ah, oh, we think maybe that was causing some reactions, whatever. But you know, dogs were dying of liver failure and seizures. It, it was not pretty. Uh, so they brought it back, and uh, the veterinarians are supposed to give the pet owner a basically a permission form that they have to sign that says, I understand these are the risks associated with this injection. And by the way, there's no antidote for it if your animal has a reaction. And once you put it in, you can't get it out. So it's in there for six months minimum. Um, I've never talked to anybody who's ever received that piece of paper. So nobody's following the rules on that one. Uh, And if that wasn't bad enough, a couple years ago, they came out with ProHeart 12, which is the same injection that lasts for 12 months because they tripled the dose of the moxidectin. Oh, well, let's see if we killed dogs with the single dose, how many are we killing with triple the dose? Like, what the heck? Um, so absolutely avoid that because, again, if they have seizures, if they have a reaction, you can't do anything about it. Y- your dog may die because you took the easy route. And yes, it's so easy. Like, where did we get so lazy? When I graduated from vet school, we had to give a pill every single day. And then we came up with the once a month and HeartGuard was the first one. And then um, Interceptor came out, which is Milbomycin. And so it was once a month. And now we're so lazy, we can't even give something once a month. And it's not even like it's hard now because we all have these little computers that we carry around with us that have calendars on them with little reminders that say, hey, you should do that today. Uh, So it's not even like it's hard. Um, When those drugs were originally um, investigated, it was actually found that the monthly heartworm actually lasts more like six weeks. But at the time, we didn't have these little mini computers that we carried around. And so it was in the 80s. and they said, well, you know, people pay their mortgage once a month. They pay for their car payment once a month. So they gave you these little heart stickers to stick on your calendar or stick on your mortgage payment or your car payment, whatever, so that you would remember to do it once a month. And then you wouldn't lapse and miss. Uh, okay, great. Well, now we have these little mini computers, so it makes it even easier. Um So the one that I feel is the absolute safest if you have to use something, which if I lived in Louisiana, I probably would. Not not 100% sure on that, but I'd be coming closer there than I do here. Um, And part of that is just how I manage my dog's lifestyle. Um, But I would use Interceptor. Uh, And the problem is you want to use plain Interceptor. They have now come out with Interceptor Plus and all these. What they keep doing is... It's a war between the drug companies. Everybody wants to be able to have more stuff on the label. Like, look, ours kills heartworms, whipworms, roundworms, hookworms, tapeworms, blah, blah, blah. Uh, so they want to be able to, so one company will will combine a couple of things and go, look, we got another thing on our label that you don't have. So company B says, oh, well, poo, we got we to gotta beat that. So they'll put two more chemicals in. And so we end up with just this, horrible plethora of drugs that we're giving our pets every month that they don't need. 
the only reason your dog would need to be wormed for tapeworms every single month is if you have an uncontrollable flea problem that you never get under control because tapeworms are spread by fleas. So, um, I mean, maybe in Louisiana, people have flea problems all year round that they can't get rid of, but let me tell you, you can get rid of fleas. Um, the problem with fleas, so interceptor was the answer to that question, Tammy. Sorry, that was a long way around that. But um, the, uh, the big problem with fleas is that only 5% of the life cycle, and the same with ticks, really, only 5% of the life cycle is spent on your dog or your cat. And so people get all invested in treating the dog or the cat, like more chemicals, more chemicals, more powders, more sprays, more baths, and nobody ever does anything with the environment. Well, if you're not treating your house, your crawl space, your yard, you're not solving the problem because 95% of the life cycle, one little flea can lay 2,000 eggs in about a week and a half. So if you kill the one flea, but you ignore the 2,000 eggs, it just multiplies so fast, so fast. Um, so the crawl space of the house is an area that people ignore a lot, um, particularly if you have like sand and it's very humid and, and you probably don't have a lot of basements down there. Um, I, when I, <laughs> when I first moved back to New Jersey after vet school, I lived in this ancient tiny little farmhouse that had a dirt floor basement that was so scary. There were like snake skins and things that like I went down there as little as possible. Um, and this was before I was holistic. I didn't know anything about anything. And we had indoor cats and a dog and we just could not get rid of the fleas, could not get rid of the fleas. And so I was doing the chemicals on the animals, chemicals on the animals, chemicals on the animals. And let me tell you, bathing and dipping cats, we don't do it anymore, not fun. Uh, and then when I finally went and treated the dirt floor basement, the problem was solved, but I didn't know any better. So that is the one thing that I would definitely tell people, look at your yard. And if you, if you like, we live on 23 acres, I can't treat 23 acres, but if I had a problem, you better believe I would do a 50 to hundred foot perimeter around my house. Um, and then I would limit where my dogs, I clearly my cats could go wherever the heck they want to. And that's fine. Um, so for the barn kitties, we have a, um, a powder, an herbal powder that we use. And it's so simple to do, uh, cause the barn kitties aren't like the snuggly, like, oh, you know, let me give you a bath and you know, whatever. Uh, so this powder, we sprinkle literally like a half a teaspoon of it in our hand and pet the cat. Very easy to do that and pet 13 cats really fast and have your problem solved. Um, so, and then something that people don't think about. It, because you hear that it's toxic all the time. This is a dog thing more than a cat thing. Garlic. If you look on the internet, you were going to see garlic is toxic. Garlic is toxic. No, it's not. Um, the study that said that garlic was toxic was a garlic extract that would be the same as giving concentrated garlic oil from 40 bulbs of garlic at one dose and repeatedly doing that for weeks. Yeah, you're going to get a problem. Nobody would ever do that. Um, so, uh, I was actually on a podcast a couple of weeks ago, uh, it was a cat podcast and particularly with cats, people get really wigged out about giving garlic because they're a little more sensitive than dogs are. Um, and this person who had the podcast listened to me during the parasite week and said, you know, I was just having this flea problem. I couldn't solve it. I couldn't solve it. She said, I decided to use garlic on my cat. Solved her problem. So of course, everybody yelled at her and said, how can you, you're going to kill cats. <laughs> Isn't that so funny? The amount of rigorous testing they'll go through for something that is like organic and natural and like basically free. And they do this over and over and over again. They're like, oh, don't give your cat garlic. It's going to kill it. And then look at really the circumstance of it. They never actually give you the study of how it was done. But yeah. yet, uh, you know, you can be injecting your animal with over 50 toxins and, you know, the FDA just needs a little bit more proof, you know? Exactly. Exactly. That's so wild. Go ahead, Tam. <laughs> Gotta love the propaganda, you know? Um, <laughs> So um, I am a professional dog groomer, and as you know, I have a dog page on Instagram, and I think that I'm finding something incredibly interesting, and I just want your opinion on it. I have never groomed so many dogs or met people with 
young dogs that have so many skin issues as like they were born like either right at the beginning or during the pandemic. So do you feel like the vaccines for animals have changed just like, um, you know, like all the ingredients in our food or something like what is really going on? Because I mean, I know people from all over, even a girl in Italy, and it's like everybody's dogs are having the same issues as to I took a four break, a four year break from grooming. And when I was grooming before, in a high volume shop, tons of dogs, tons of dogs. And I would get a dog with, you know, the allergy to fleas here and there or yeasty skin, depending on the breed. But I have never seen anything like I'm seeing now. And so ultimately, my question is, do you think that the latest vaccines are playing a role in that? I think there's a lot of things playing a role in that. Genetics is part of it. What we are feeding is a major part of it. And vaccines are part of it. Um, so as a matter of fact, I was reviewing some records today for a consultation that I have coming up. And uh, for this small dog, uh, July of last year, so coming up to again, July of last year, they gave distemper, hepatitis, four very varieties of leptospirosis, parinfluenza, parvovirus, uh, bordetella, um, two other upper respiratory and rabies. So that many, all in one day to a 20 pound dog. And next to it, it said annual. So they are giving them every single year. This is a veterinarian who clearly is not up to date on how often vaccines should be given and how long they actually last. So rabies vaccines nationally, this is not a state thing, it's not a local thing nationally. After the first rabies vaccine, every vaccine given after that is good for a minimum of three years. Now, legally, they say we have to give it every three years. Uh, but if you do a titer, which is a blood test to see if your pet has antibodies to rabies virus, you will often find that they will be protected for seven years, 10 years, 12 years, or a lifetime. We know the same is true for distemper, hepatitis, and parvovirus. They do not need to be given every year. They should not be given every year. We should not be starting puppies off with a series of three to seven vaccine, it's vaccines given in the series. Maximum they need is two. Uh, most of my patients, I was giving them one distemper and one parvo as puppies, and then we would titer them a year later and they'd be good. And they would stay well protected for anywhere from five to 10 years with that one injection. But the timing is really critical and finding a veterinarian who is willing to one, give a single vaccine at a time, not 13 at once, um, and uh, space them out and do what is minimally needed and then do that blood test to prove that you got protection. And then it also depends on the dog's lifestyle. So again, a hunting dog out in the swamps going through the fields, it's a totally different lifestyle than the little pocket Yorkie that is carried in a purse in New York City and lives in a high rise. Like why would we say there's one size fits all for vaccinations for dogs with wildly different lifestyles. And the other problem that we have is the vaccine is one size fits all. So a Great Dane gets the same dose of vaccine as a two pound Yorkie. Um, and we just know, of course, the pharmaceutical companies don't want to do the research on that. So who's paying for that research? Uh, there'll be no one. Um, and actually, one of the vaccine companies did come out with a distemper hepatitis parvo vaccine that was labeled for three years duration. And it actually lasted more like five to seven years. But they actually had done the testing to prove that it lasted for three years to get it approved for that label by FDA. And when they came out with it, I was so excited because I was like, yay, I finally have something that legally I can say it's good for this long. Um, because boarding, grooming, daycare, all those guys are like, oh, no, you have to do all these vaccines. Uh, so we need to educate them. Um, and that vaccine only stayed on the market for a few years. And the reason was that they couldn't sell enough of it because the veterinarians didn't want a vaccine that was labeled for three years. They wanted vaccines labeled for every year so that they could get the client in every year for vaccines. And veterinarians who are still vaccinating every year are veterinarians who frankly either are uneducated and haven't stayed up to date or are looking for the money. And it is, I'm sorry, but it is wrong 
to do that. So in answer to, and then we need to talk about pet food too. And we can talk about that later, but uh, there are so many things that are contributing to allergies. And then a lot of it is genetic as well. There's been some really interesting studies that uh, actually revolve around food, but with uh, parents of puppies that have allergies. And then depending on how the parents are fed and how the puppies are fed, what you're statistically, what the chances are of those puppies also having allergies. And then we definitely have breed predisposition, French bulldogs, uh, American bulldogs, English bulldogs, any bully breed, you feed them incorrectly, you're gonna have allergies that are just horrible. Um, environmental problems and a lot of these chemicals that we're using, the flea and tick and that sort of stuff, uh, a lot of dogs have horrible skin reactions to that stuff, even the oral stuff, not just the topical. They'll have horrible skin reactions to it. And it's really the body saying, oh my gosh, these toxins, I gotta get rid of them. How do I get rid of them? Well, I think I'll make a bunch of sores and try to weep it out of my body. Um, it's yeah, there's a lot of reasons for allergies and we are seeing definitely more. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting. Um, a lot of people ask me just, you know, when you're in the pet industry and somebody knows that no matter what it is you do, they all kind of look at you like you have all the answers, but I definitely give them the same advice. Like, well, first start with the diet. And, um, you know, my dog is a pit bull and unfortunately he was born in the pound. And so when I picked him up, he was already fixed at six weeks and yeah. loaded up with vaccines and all this stuff. So there wasn't really much I could do about that. Um, however, I did research and find out that, you know, you only really need the vaccine once every three years, the rabies anyway. But I take the same uh, stance and I'm like, well, what, what do you need that for? My dog's not playing with any raccoons, you know? Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so yeah, he's coming up um, on his third birthday pretty soon. So I'm getting extra concerned about it and uh, just kind of looking in, weighing my options. But I do feed him a raw diet with supplements. I make all of his own uh, treats, dehydrate everything with like no antibiotics, no GMOs, as organic as I can get. I use natural shampoos on him. Uh, no flea and tick medication. I just bathe him once a week and use a flea comb in between and stuff like that. But he's still got this horrible dry skin. Really? So I personally believe that it is from um, the vaccines. The next thing I'm going to try is I saw a recipe for local bee pollen, local honey and spirulina and you freeze it and see if that helps. I'm always like on to the next thing, like, hmm, what can I try next? That's natural. And the good news with that is it's not going to hurt them. Well, exactly. You're, you're, you're not going to do any damage. Uh, so is he itchy as well as like having this flaky skin? Is he like, is it like truly an allergy where he's itchy all the time? Does he turn red? Um, he has two spots on his, like right next to his tail that he's been chewing at, which I don't know if he's doing that out of anxiety or what, but he gets at that, but his skin is flaky. It's flaky to where like, I don't want to wash him too, too much, you know? So what I'll do is I have like the high velocity dryer. So I'll comb him with the flea comb and then I'll put him in the tub and just use the dryer on him to blow off that dead skin. But yeah, it's flaky for sure. So um, I, I would say, look at, we're going to get into Chinese medicine here, but look at his tongue and see if it's pale or dry. Um, Cause a lot of times the, uh, the, the dry flaky skin is from Chinese medicine standpoint, it's a liver blood deficiency. So, and you're feeding a raw diet, which is awesome, but we may need to do a little bit more to support his liver blood, which is dark leafy greens and sardines and um, eggs and organ meats and uh, foods that are orange and red. Um, so he should have a pale, semi-dry tongue if that's what's going on, his pads might be a little dry. Um, and then from that liver blood deficiency, we get internal wind. Wind is like the leaves shaking in the trees. So we get the itching and the scratching. So, so I love Chinese medicine because it's like all the stories that go with it makes sense. Um, so I would look for that for sure. Um, there's a ton of different supplements like WinPro uh, makes uh, one that's uh, basically derived from pig blood, pig plasma. Uh, so that could be very helpful in a case like this with that dryness, definitely omega-3s, like tons of omega-3s for this guy. Um, and I would not bathe weekly because part of the problem 
that we ignore with our dogs, um, and I had a really good discussion with a groomer from California about this, is there's a microbiome in the gut, which is responsible for a lot of the allergy problems if the microbiome is not healthy in the gut. So um, I would actually consider doing a leaky gut protocol for your dog uh, to try to get to, because we're basically kind of detoxing the vaccine damage and all those things that were done before. So I'd probably do a leaky gut protocol uh, but there's a microbiome on the skin as well. So when we wash them, we're taking that away. And then so your dog is like fighting all week to kind of rebuild that. Um, there are uh, actually shampoos on the markets that have probiotics in them. I don't know how effective the probiotics in them really are, but you're certainly not going to hurt anything. And I would definitely, you're a groomer, so I'm sure you know this, but you wanna use things without detergents, without sulfates, with all that stuff. Uh, definitely use things that are like essential oils that are gonna be rehydrating, reconditioning. Um, but try, I, I would probably only actually bathe and scrub um, maybe every three to four weeks. And in between, I would do like a moisturizing, like a hot oil treatment type of thing, or just coconut oil rubbed in, um, really trying to hydrate that skin and feed the good microbiome that's there. And if you're not using a good probiotic, I would add that in as well. Um, Adored Beast has a beautiful leaky gut protocol that you might want to consider uh, because anytime we have allergy pets, uh, we have to fix the microbiome of the gut. Um, and then they also have a product called Rebalancer. It used to be called Vaccinosis, but it basically is for detoxing that vaccine overload. Thank you so much for all that information for the free uh, veterinary visit for Mortis. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I definitely use a probiotic right now. And I did see something um, with, I, I, don't, I think it was beef blood though, but the, the company that I was looking at was actually out of it at the time. Um, he gets lots of eggs, he gets duck yeah. eggs and um, I try, I try to, you know, do everything. And also he's kind of picky with this raw diet too, which makes it even more difficult, but I'm doing my best. And, um, I appreciate that information. And so Katie, you have a question. This has been wonderful so far. And you said you really wanted to touch on food so we can do that. And I do want to, um, to also touch on your new book and past books and where people can find you. Um, I don't want to take up a super ton of your time today. Cause I know that these topics can go on and on. <laughs> I think it's fantastic. The similarities that I see between like holistic health for us and holistic health for the animals. Like everything you're saying, when I'm walking into this, I was like, well, I have two cats that I'm finding out by the moment that I don't care enough for them. Like, I didn't know we were supposed to brush the cat's teeth. I didn't know, like, I didn't know that, but I mean, you have farm cats. Are you brushing their teeth? No, and I don't need to uh, because the diet that the farm cats have is totally different than what we would feed an indoor cat. My farm cats, besides they, they are fed a raw diet, but they also eat birds, they eat mice, they eat moles, they eat voles, they eat grasshoppers and crickets and uh, the dried worms that we feed the chickens. Um, so they are using their teeth and gums in the way that nature intended. They are chewing raw meaty bones. Uh, we don't do that. With, most people don't do that with their indoor cats. And my daughter and I just had this discussion the other day. She's like, I watch your barn cats when they're eating. And when they eat a bird, there's two feathers left at the end. They eat all the feathers. When they eat a, a rabbit or a mouse, they eat everything including all the hair. And then we get these, you know, really nice, beautiful, purified, you know, supposedly balanced raw diets that we buy and feed our cats, our indoor cats, if you're feeding them correctly, well, closer to correctly, that's what you're feeding because they're carnivores, they need meat. If you're feeding dry kibble, they're getting 60% carbohydrates, which is not what cats are meant to eat. And that's why we have obese, diabetic, cats with pancreatitis, allergies, and all urinary problems and everything else. Um, but that raw diet that we buy and feed to the indoor cats is nothing like what my outdoor cats are eating. It doesn't have big raw meaty bones in it. It doesn't have hair. It doesn't have feathers and fur. 
Uh, and all of those things provide micronutrients, zinc, manganese, copper, all those iron, all those, those trace minerals that they need. When they're eating the brain, they're eating the eyeballs, they're eating all the glands, they're eating the stomach contents of that wild prey that is vastly different from the <laughs> you know clean purified diets that we buy and feed our our indoor cats um so even though my indoor cats are on a raw diet they have a lot more dental problems because they're not chewing those raw bones um so and then the same for our dogs if you're feeding raw and you're feeding raw meaty bones or uh, like one of my dogs this morning, we gave him a freeze dried duck head. So it's the entire head um, and he's a Cocker Spaniel. So it was like the perfect treat for him. He was so excited. And, but he sat there for about 15 minutes, like crunchy, 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 working his teeth and gums. My smaller dogs would look at that and go, I don't think so. But we do give them uh, freeze-dried chicken necks or freeze-dried duck necks so that they're getting that crunch and that, that chew. We also do like dehydrated chicken feet or duck feet. Uh, it's a calcium source for them. It's a good chew. It's a glucosamine chondroitin source that is natural. But a lot of people don't want to do that. A lot of people are going to be like, oh my gosh, that is so gross. There's no way. I, I, we have something in our um, on our website called Frankenbunny which is basically dehydrated the whole rabbit dehydrated and cut up into parts and pieces so you're feeding a rabbit head and i'm sorry for those who are eating breakfast or lunch or dinner and are going oh my gosh this lady's crazy uh but this is what our animals would eat in the wild and this is what keeps them healthy and so we want to purify everything we want life to be simple we want to just open that bag or that can and dump it in the bowl and walk away and go well that i'm done with that um but i mean i have fun feeding my dogs and if I make, they eat off of platters, not bowls. We have these things called the mind pet platter, which has actually been researched to show, this is what our cats and our dogs eat off of. Uh, it's been researched to show that they eat better, they eat more slowly, and it mimics how they would eat in the wild. So it's pretty cool. Um, but I love taking that platter and I've got all my raw parts and pieces and I've got eggs and I've got blueberries and I've my little mushroom um capsules or little mushroom treats like all these different things that i have fun i like to color the rainbow and i take pictures of the platters because i'm like oh that's so cool like look at there's dark leafy greens and there's yellow eggs and you know it's just it's fun for me for a lot of people that would not be fun um but you know i'm a little bit crazy with it uh so uh brushing teeth yes uh, if you think about it we brush our teeth twice a day, we floss if we're really good twice a day, and we go to the dentist and get a professional dental cleaning twice a year. Like that's the gold standard. And then we look at our animals and go, well, here I'm feeding you dry crackers. It's like just coating your teeth with sugar and I'm never gonna do anything for your teeth. And then when you have rotten teeth at age seven, it's like, ah, wow. You know, and so yes, dental care is critically important <laughs> so the easy way is okay. raw meaty bones or dehydrated duck heads or something like that that's the easier way otherwise you're going to be and brushing <laughs> how hard is it to transition like especially like older cats like my cat came from pound she was already a year old and i've had her for several years and i just never thought about any of these things now i'm not a person that overly takes them to the vet either so right. i've not kept up with any kind of like vaccines or Good. anything for her we don't need them um, <laughs> we do i mean like we brush them but like even them inside like again the groomer and it, this is not to dispel our last guest but she was like it is important to wash the cat frequently uh yeah and i was like that's dramatic i was like we're hitting like twice a year in a good year i never wash my cats ever. never never ever i do not want to be washing cats uh my cats have the most gorgeous beautiful coats um i mean my 12 year old cats have never had a bath uh and they have beautiful coats because they're you know they have species appropriate diets um and i they they groom themselves i don't even brush them most of the time except during shedding season when i'm like all right you guys are making hair everywhere i you know i'm gonna brush you right now um 
so the you know the the biggest problem with our cats is we're feeding them incorrectly and so then we don't have good coats on them um and really particularly for indoor cats there is no reason to take them and get vaccines cats that that get vaccinated really like to make tumors um and then they die from their vaccine tumors so it's a really ugly thing for our kitty cats um but my indoor cats are raw fed uh they're very happy with that i'm very happy with that and their coats are gorgeous so um no i do not bathe cats i was gonna ask about oh so transition. transitioning off the kibble yeah. um sorry i lost my train of thought so when i first started feeding raw i switched my dogs first this is 20 25 years ago i switched my dogs first and then I kind of looked at my, and I think I had like five cats at the time. And I was like, oh, I'm going to have to do something with you guys too, aren't I? Mm. Uh, cats can be hard. Some of my cats, uh, you, so I originally started with frozen raw food. And so it came in these nice little hockey pucks. And I, you know, I kind of put one out just to let my cats see what it was. And they literally played with it like a hockey puck. And I was like, you don't recognize that as food at all. And the same will happen with dogs. We do a lot of rescue, a lot of foster care. And so we'll bring in these new dogs that have been fed kibble their whole lives. And we'll put a bowl of raw meat and organs in front of them that, and we warm it up to room temperature. You always want to feed your animals at room temperature, not cold food. Um, so even if you're feeding raw, it needs to be at warm room temperature. Um, and they don't recognize it as food. Like I fed our latest rescue. I fed him a raw chicken heart. He kind of went, mm, and it shot across the room. And he said, I am not eating that took about two months now oh my gosh he's like so into his raw food absolutely loves it so for kitty cats texture is a huge thing for them there are millions of research dollars spent on what size and shape should the kibble be in order to get the cat to like it and the answer is what they really like the best are these little like triangle or football shape things that are kind of flat that's what kibble has decided although that's not what they're supposed to eat uh, so for my older cats, when I first, like, it was easy with these kittens because they got weaned straight onto raw food. Their mamas ate raw food and they got weaned straight onto it. Um, for my older cats that I had to do many years ago, they wouldn't touch the raw food. They're like, I just don't recognize that at all. You would think like, Hey, it looks like a mouse. No. Um, so what I did is I got freeze dried raw because it's dry. And I would take that and I'd put their kibble in the bowl and then I would crumble the freeze dried on the top. And so when they'd go to eat their kibble, they'd get some of this freeze dried stuff too. And the texture was similar enough that they would eat it and go, hey, that stuff's pretty good. And so then every day I would take out a little more kibble and put in a little more of the freeze dried until I got them pretty much on mostly freeze dried. And then I would start sprinkling it with water because the freeze dried, the whole thing with cats is we need a lot of moisture. We don't wanna feed them dry foods. That's why we get into urinary problems with them. So uh, I would start sprinkling little bits of water on it until I got them to the point where they would then eat it completely rehydrated. And then once we got them over to the freeze dried raw, it was a lot easier to then get them to take the fresh raw. Uh, the longest it's ever taken me to transition a cat is six months. I had one and she lived to be 21. God bless her little soul. Um, and I think I changed her when she was like 12. Um, so she took me about six months. She just was like, mm, I don't know about this. Uh, but I was very insistent and just kept at it and kept at it. And the cats next to her were eating, you know, completely transitioned over to eating raw food. And she's just like, mm. but I did finally get her to do it. Uh, so it's be consistent, be persistent. Um, you can't starve a cat into it. Do not ever let your cat go more than 24 hours without eating. That it's, They will go into liver failure in about two to three days. Uh, so you can't starve them into it. But I would try freeze-dried first. And cats are really weird about what flavors they like. One of my cats, all the cats, their favorite is pork. Now, I wouldn't think that pork is something that cats would think was something like a cat's not going to go take down a pig. You would think, oh, kitty, you would think they would go for any kind of poultry and they don't always. Uh, my, the, really their favorite is pork. Beef is their least favorite. They like venison. So weird things. And there are so many different flavors on the market now that you, you know, just play around. Uh, go to your independent pet stores ask them for samples. A lot of times they'll have little 
tiny sample bags that just have a few pieces of the freeze dried. Take those, you know, feed them as treats, crumble them in the bowl, um, and see if the cats are kind of drawn to one over another, and that might help you. That was awesome. Thank you so much for that um, info. I'm writing that down now, just so I don't forget to go looking for samples. Okay. Well, that was a ton of great information. Um, I love that you're so thorough. That's exactly what I had hoped for. And that's great. It's so much better when you don't have to like pull it out of people. <laughs> Thank you. No, um, I, I, your problem with me is six hours later, I'll still be <laughs> telling you how to do things. Be going. But that's what, it, but you're doing such a great thing of educating people about their pets. There's people like me that just, again, I never thought about it. I don't have this like, world of animals like tammy being in the grooming business to like think about it and see these other issues i just have the two cats and that's a wrap so you know what i find quite often is people who are really particular about eating all organic non-gmo doing the best job they can for their children their spouse like their family they're and then what happens is even though they're thinking about like they'll go to the grocery store and they'll see a pet food that is labeled natural holistic organic um you know whatever the buzzwords are now organic actually does have some meaning on how it can be labeled but holistic natural supreme premium superior no meaning none of that means anything like they literally could grind up shoe leather or chicken feathers in a bag and make it into food and call it natural and holistic. So don't fall for marketing. What you yeah. want to be looking for in pet food is human grade, whole food ingredients. You don't want chicken meals, meat meals, beef meals, bone meals. You want whole food ingredients. And so like when I formulate diets, I do not use synthetic vitamin mineral supplements. If you go even in a lot of pet stores and you pick up a bag, box, can, even a frozen thing of food, and you read the ingredient label on it, if you read through the first five ingredients and you recognize what those are, and then there's a chemical soup, that's a vitamin mineral mix that is synthetic that has been added in. And thousands, tens of thousands of dogs and cats have been killed in the last three years from that vitamin mineral mix because all the companies use the same mix and all the mixes had too much vitamin D and it caused kidney failure and all these animals died. And huge recalls, huge lawsuits, but you know, your pet might've died and you're gonna get a refund of 50 bucks. Yay, that was certainly worthwhile. Um, so what I am looking for when I go shopping for food, is I want to see whole food ingredients. I don't want to see a big vitamin mineral mix. Like maybe they have to add a little vitamin E. It'll say alpha tocopherol or something like that. A little bit of vitamin E added in. Um, something like that is fine. But if you see this long list of chemicals, run the other way. Um, it's not what we want our pets to eat. Uh, and that a lot of the allergy problems that we see are because all those synthetic things are thrown into the food and the body doesn't recognize that as something natural. You give them food and they go, oh, I know what to do with that. And I know how much vitamin and mineral I need to extract out of that dark leafy green or out of that egg. I know what my body needs. My body knows what it needs and it's going to utilize what it needs and then spit out the rest. When we put synthetics in there, the body's like, I don't know what that is. I don't recognize it. I think I should have an allergic reaction against that. I think I should try to spit that out. I think I should spit it out through my through my foot pads or my skin or have diarrhea or have vomiting. And so a lot of what we see is because we're feeding things that are literally foreign invaders to the body. And that's the same with the chemicals, the same with the vaccines. The body spends so much time trying to get rid of all that stuff. I'll use nice words, <laughs> stuff that we are trying to put in it and on it and attack it with. I mean, there are environmental things that we can't control. So glyphosate's in our environment. Uh, frankly, um, most of our waterways are contaminated with insecticides and pesticides. A lot of the ones that we are putting on our pets are contaminating our waterways. Uh, there was a study in France where they tested the hair of children and 98% of the children's hair samples had fipronil, 
which is used as flea and tick preventative for dogs and cats. And it's in 98% of the children's hair. That's scary. Really scary. The yeah. waterways in England are all contaminated with it. Um, and they say it is coming from putting it on our animals. Then our animals are swimming in the rivers. We're washing our animals. It's going down the drain into the water systems. It's not filtered out. It, you, like you don't get rid of it when it goes through the water treatment system. We're drinking it. We're bathing in it. It's in our hair. It's in our urine. It's in our blood. Um, it's, you know, and we, you don't have control over that, but you can certainly not be a contributor to what's going into our waterways. Um, and so you asked me about my books. Uh, so the three that I, yeah. there are five, but the three that I promote, uh, because I think that they're the most topical for most people, the newest one is Raising Naturally Healthy Pets, a guide to helping your pets live longer. Uh, this just came out in March. And so it, uh, talks the, the longest chapter in there is vaccines and it talks about every single vaccine available for dogs and cats which what they do how your pet would be at risk how long they last how often you would need to give them if you decide to give them um, talks about titers it gives my vaccination protocol that I use for puppies and kittens um, new adoptions if you're adopting a senior pet what should they get uh, there's also a huge chapter in there on parasites parasite prevention natural ways to do that how to find a holistic veterinarian if you can't find a holistic veterinarian, how to work with the veterinarian that you have. There's a bunch of information about food, grooming, training, uh, choosing the right pet for your family. So all that stuff is in there. It's available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, like all your normal places, plus our website, which is drjudymorgan.com. My first book was From Needles to Natural, Learning Holistic Pet Healing. This one, uh, it's it's autobiographical. It tells my story of how I got from, uh, how, first of all, how I decided to be a veterinarian, the journey of getting that done, um, and then how I transitioned and why I went from traditional to holistic medicine. It's actually a really fun story. And then it has chapters that go over the traditional diagnosis and treatment versus holistic treatments for heart disease, kidney disease, cancer, seizures, liver disease, um, thyroid problems, Cushing's pancreatitis, you know, so it's, that's kind of different chapter on all those things. And then the other one that is extremely popular, if you feel like making food for your dogs, is yin and yang nutrition for dogs, maximizing health with whole foods, not drugs. So if you want to make your own dog food, this one has just recipes for every day, it has about 60 recipes in it. Um, but it also has recipes for heart disease, kidney disease, Cushing's disease, cancer, weight loss, um, vomiting and diarrhea, inflammatory bowel disease, so all that kind of stuff. Um, these are two of my little kids on there. Um, so, and then the other two books, uh, I don't talk about as often, but there are two more cookbooks. One is just a fun book called Canine Kitchen Capers. And the other one was a very early book uh, called What's for Dinner Dexter. I co-wrote that one with someone. I don't like most of the recipes in that one, so I don't really promote that one at this point. So. Okay, that's awesome. So I, I firstly want to say thank you so much for all the information you covered today. <clears throat> I promise that I wouldn't hold you for a long time, <laughs> even though I know that this conversation could go on and I would <laughs> want it to, um, but just respectfully for time. So my very last question might be a little bit of a challenge because you do give such in-depth answers. So you can take a pause before you answer this one. A pause. <laughs> That's cute. Um, before you answer this one, and it'll be our final question. My question to you is, if you had one minute to have a message broadcast for everyone to hear the entire world, how would you use that minute? What would you want people to know? Your dog should live two decades. Your cat should live three decades that is attainable and achievable and they it's not about quantity it's quality so it's not lifespan it's health span you can accomplish that with the right diet minimizing vaccines getting the chemicals out of their system it is absolutely possible we can train people how to do that there's tons of information out there and my wish is that all of our pets would stay with us for decades and not years.
Thank you so much for being on today, uh, Dr. Judy Morgan. Please tell our listener where they can find you. So our website is drjudymorgan.com, drjudymorgan.com. You can also get to it through naturallyhealthypets.com. goes the same place. Uh, we are on all social media. We are on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Pinterest, a little bit on Twitter. Uh, and our, our focus is education. So you will get tons of information. Some of it's my opinions. Some of it's what I've learned over the past 38 years of being a veterinarian. Um, and then we have what we call science or science. We will give you studies and science behind a lot of things when we can find it. And as we find it, uh, we also collaborate with a ton of other holistic veterinarians around the world. So very commonly, you'll see conversations between me and veterinarians from Ireland, UK, Australia, Singapore, um, anybody who has a message that is going to help our listeners and followers help their pets have a better life, we are open to conversations and we want to promote the message around the world. All right. Sounds awesome. We can't wait for you to come on our Twitter space and have some open Q&A with, um, with our audience. Before you go, hit follow and share with a friend. Wake up to a new episode of Louisiana Sister Squad podcast every Tuesday.